This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Double Tap Canada, the show where blind people talk tech. Have your say. Call us, text us to 844-971-1999. That's 844-971-1999. Tweet us at Double Tap Canada and find us on Facebook. Just search for Double Tap Canada. Now here's your favorite double tappers. And no, it's not Stephen Scott. Good day. I am Marco Flalo sitting in the hosting chair for Stephen Scott. Uh, beside me uh, each and every single week. Well, I mean, he's there all the time. Sean Priest. Sean Priest, how are you? Oh, well done. You rolled those R's pretty well. Not up to Stephen's standards, obviously, but it'll do. Well he, done, Mark. He Good does have a here. lot of practice, so we uh, we try to do what we can <laughs> to make sure it uh, it all rolls off the tongue quite nicely. Oh, oh, welcome good. to another edition of Double Tap Canada. We're, we're nearing the end of our uh, you know TV seasons and radio seasons kind of end towards the end of August, so it seems like we're coming to this end, but it's not really an end, is it? Because we just continue going and going and going and going and going. Every end, Mark, is it? Is is a new beginning? I think you'll find. I find that helps me through life. Does it really? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it feels like yeah, we're coming to the end of term or something. You know, it feels like we should bring our toys in. I think that's why Stephen's not here. I think he's you know clocked off early. Well, you know, fair. he did tell me yesterday that he was going to the Apple Store, and I haven't heard from him since. So I'm not entirely sure what transpired <laughs> in that particular visit, but I can only imagine. Uh, Stephen Scott of the Apple Store ending in uh, some kind of purgatory or I don't know what from his wife or this still oh, there's sorry. so many ways this can end. The whole I'm not buying an M2. I'm not getting one. I've just seen the Marcus Brownlee uh, review and I'm not getting. You're a liar, sir. I, I bet you he's. Got you want to start M2. a pool? You think we can get people involved? Feedback at yep. ami.ca. Let us know <laughs> what your wager is. Just give us a date. When do you think that Stephen will finally cave and get an M2? It could be any M2, a future M2 that's announced. Maybe maybe a current M2. When do you think he's going yep. to cave and get an M2? I say Augustish. End of August? Oh, I say he's already got one. I'm you think saying he's got uh, one already. You think he did it? By the end of this week, he's going to have one. By this weekend, yeah. Oh well, that's 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 dangerous. We're, yeah. oh, we're recording this on a Wednesday for yeah. fa- for factual uh, you know precision here, so we know. I say end of <laughs> August. I think you're going to lose by the time the show even airs. He's not going to have it yet. All right. Well, we will see. I, I know what he's like. You know, he'll be walking around the Apple Store and he'll go. Oh, I just thought, why not? Just get it anyway. It's just, just so it. delicious. Yeah, of course. So delicious. You know, it's funny because we talk all about this M2, 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 and we forget the fact that Intel's actually out there and, and pushing pretty hard to try and combat the M2 processor. For those of you who are, you know, not necessarily paying attention to all the nits and, and nit and gritty out here, M2 is obviously the next generation of Apple's own processor. They've come out with the M1, the M1 Pro, the M1 Ultra, all super impressive. Um, but Intel, I'm trying to remember what it's called, um, the, the chip, that the whole design they're coming out with. But thin and light, I'm, trying, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm slowly going. You'll have to Google it. I cannot remember. But they, they are moving to ARM silicone, aren't they? That's what they're waiting for. They're it's waiting Intel for... Evo. Intel Evo. Evo. Okay. Yeah. They, oh, they... I, I didn't mean to play that, but yeah, Intel Evo. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they're saying, and, and the critics are saying that Evo is really going to be the, not the M2 killer, but it's definitely going to be something that's faster uh, with better battery life and things that will, I guess, sustain it or at least help them hold their ground compared to what Apple is doing. And I find it so funny that it literally comes down to like almost that. It comes down to Intel AMD against Apple at the end of the day. Yet they all work together on on so many other fronts. And here we are still competing for the Why can't everybody just get play nice? Why can't everybody just get along, Mark? That's what I that's my motto in life. Um God, I'm so philosophical. It's amazing. Um, now, look, I think people are saying that about Intel, you know, because they are the, the the big boy on the block, and they have been for decades and decades and decades. AMD, you know, a bit of back and forth between the two. But I'm sorry, Intel just haven't, they haven't cracked it when it comes to mobile processors. They still haven't. All their laptop processors run hot. They're still that total, you know, the, the total draw power, the power draw that they have is so so out of whack. And when it comes to ARM processing, you know, they they just they've dropped the ball. They are so far behind. I'm not sure they can catch up. Really? I, I I don't know. Yeah, I I'm just I'm not convinced. They're going to have to do such a turnaround to just a total 
I mean, the amount of money that's invested in producing these CPUs is immense. It's, I can't even think about it. The roadmap that they've got to think so far, so many years in, in advance. If they make a mistake, it's not easy to turn that thing around. It's like turning around a cargo ship, right? Like a, whatever they call it, a container ship. <laughs> it, it takes years and years and years. I, I think they've dropped the ball. I think that's it. You think Apple had that much of a of a head start that they they can't even? It'll be interesting. I think they will eventually kind of converge and meet. I don't think we'll ever see Apple go back to Intel. I think they've once you know they've tasted their own candy here, right? They're like, why would we? Why would we use anybody else? I mean, they control the whole ecosystem, right? At this point, other than I guess graphics cards uh, on their higher end machines, which people I think yeah. will still want to be able to tweak and do things on a pro line, which I think we'll see. And I was I was actually talking with with Stephen yesterday about this. I think that um, we're now you know we talk about the end of our season here, the end of the end of August, but it kind of coincides with what's new and fresh from Apple, right? It always coincides with oh September is going to be new iPhones. Then normally we see new iPads, and then we'll see new computers, and then we're done for the year, right? We're kind of yeah. set up. And it's funny because I thought we'd see the Mac Pro. I thought we'd see, see those generations sooner but i guess they're waiting for the m2 like why would they release an m1 pro or ultra mac pro when they've just released this new m2 processor right well why would they release anything it seems like they're throwing stuff at us every month now it's it's incredible event every couple of months i mean it's just how it feels i know that's not actual <laughs> the reality of it but it feels like there's uh, there's no let up from new products or even iterations of products so i think you know what apple give us a break I know. I'm going to say it. Give us a break. Give, give us, us a, a year break. of nothing. A this year is so of nothing? Much stuff. Give us a year of nothing. Just give us the next iPhone, you know, 15 or whatever it's going to be. But aside from that, just let I let the technology mature. The, the M2, the M1 should have given, been given a clear run for another year before the M2 came out. I just don't understand their business thinking behind that. And you know me, Mark, I am a businessman. Oh yes, you are. You are the consummate business professional. <laughs> well, how do you think? You know, if if we maybe there should be like some kind of standoff or some kind of like everybody raise your white flag, okay, for the next X amount of time for the next year, we're not going to release any new products. You can do hard software updates, but no new hardware. How long do you think people can hold out? How long do you think <laughs> they'd be able to sustain themselves? They'd be like, I, I can't. I, I need to release this. How long do you well, think it would take? But, but, I mean, how long did we wait before Apple did a, an update on the MacBook anyway? I mean, people have waited years for, for updates, and then all of a sudden they're throwing, hey, have a new one, have a new design, have this, have that, have one with no function keys and a terrible touch bar. I mean, I, I just, I think they're, they're running into the problem that they had when they brought Steve Jobs back, when Steve Jobs just put a big cross through half of the production line uh, and, and the products they had. You know, earmarked to, earmark to come out and they just said let's concentrate on this this and this i think they're just i i don't know even the amount of iphones now with the pros pro max and minis i think you find it too much i i think it's too much i, I know they're trying to hit you know a, 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 a product for every person right every demographic every price point i, I get that but i don't know i i think they're swamping the market a little bit and when it comes to you know, Intel and AMD, I think um, Intel have just they, they relied on their on their past glories, and uh, Qualcomm have have just taken over. When it comes to ARM, you know every every ARM Android phone out there, every ARM based whatever, uh, Intel they've got to do a hell of a lot of work to catch that up. Uh, so I I don't know. I think it's a it's a really strange market for me at the minute. I, I, too much choice. I'm you know, drowning. You talk. You talk about the phones, and it's interesting that you say that because I'm wondering. You know, you're obviously in Manchester. You're in the UK. Do you still have your carriers? Do they still subsidize the phones? So when you go to, I don't know what whatever your carriers are out there. Do they give you like you know get a get an iPhone for zero dollars and, and basically just spread it out over your bill, or is that done? Because here they've kind of gone away with it. There are some places that will still do it, but for a short term and there's less rules against it or rules, you know, stopping you. But mm. for the most part, you know, this is why I think a lot of the companies are bringing out all these different phones at different price points because the carriers and it comes to telecom rules. I know here the CRTC is kind of really trying to stop people from long contracts. As a result, they can't amortize the cost of the phone over longer periods of time. So here it's like okay, you, this is you just basically pay for the phone and that's it. Is it the same there? 
No, I think actually we're going the other way. I think we are going towards the, it used to be a 12-month contract. Now it's 18-month, 24-month, oh, really three-year three year contracts. I, I see them far more now. Um, yeah, it's, it's you know, you, you pay for your contract and then you pay your whatever uh, amount it is for your monthly payback for your phone. And that's why they're, they're aiming. They, they want you, they want you locked in for the three years, right? So yeah, exactly. It's all about the subscription. The revenue, latest, yeah. yeah. If they can dangle the latest and greatest uh, iPhone or Android phone in front of you and say, Hey, it's only going to cost you, you know, 20 pounds uh, a month. And then, you know, $7, $10 for your actual SIM service. And Hey, why not? So um, yeah, I well, think, I think, actually, I think we're going that the opposite model, way. I think that model though is actually good because it kind of it doesn't really show the need for all these variations of these devices. And when, when I got sent the Pixel 6a that we talked about last week, that was one of those scenarios where I'm like, okay, it's a smaller version of what they, they've had out for the past year. I'm like, why? And I get it. It's lower cost to get into 5G and, and because parts you know get cheaper over time. But, I mean, this market's predictable, right? We, we know the parts are going to get cheaper as they produce more of these. Why not come out with just one or two variations? Big, small, everything's the same, everybody's equal. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think human nature might, you know, sit in there and be like, no, I want the better one. Yeah, maybe. I did, look, it's just the difference between something like the Pro and Pro Max. I, I, I can't help but think there's there's no actual hardware need for that. You know, it's it's more of a, okay, let's give someone a, uh, I've got top of the line option like you said you know it's more of a placebo than anything i know there is hardware differences in there but i mean it, it just seems so little so for that separation i agree with you i think there should be like okay here's your affordable option like the 6a i think google do a really good job when it comes to their a line which does it stand for affordable or not i don't know but i mean you know like <laughs> i think it's just an alphabet it's like oh pick a letter this time that makes sense <laughs> but change you know change the um the, the the chassis from one piece titanium or whatever it is and change it to plastic and i don't know get rid of this and this little thing that most people won't notice and you've got an entry level more entry level affordable option there and then give people the main you know okay now here's the the phone that we want to give out with these extra features and metal chassis and you know you're going to pay more for it i think that's all you need i listen i think i think that apple has it right in one instance where you take the older generation you drop the price and make that your cheaper version you know that's true because the difference between the generations aren't that dramatic you know we used to see it every second year the the physicalities would change entirely that's gone away and that's gone away across i think all devices look at samsung samsung's form factor hasn't changed much in in probably five years it's pretty that's much true. the same you know and, and and that's their motto and then you know everybody has it but to, to you lower the price of of the one that's about to go out the door that way you can t- continue to produce it and get rid of all the models that are you know everything that's been produced already and you show the shiny in you i think that's a good way to do it i think that's a good it's kind of like hand me down right it's exactly you're absolutely i could hear steven now saying what are you two talking about shut up i want new stuff i want as much choice as possible I, I do get it. I do get it. I There's just, such thing as too much choice, right? I do, and 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 things just being outdated so so soon. I mean, it's been the the, the oldest joke in tech world, right? Is is that you know I just bought it and it's six months out of date already, and you know you're always looking for it. When's the the right time to buy? But it sort of reminds me. I got the iPad at three, Gen three. Yep. And I thought, wow, this is great. And was it like five or six months later? It was dead. The Gen 4 had come out. And I was so angry about that. <laughs> I was so annoyed. Well, that's because... why I'm not buying a laptop now, because I know that I'm going to want something that's going to come out in October. And if I get it now, I, I, I'm going to yeah. be screwed, and I'm not going to be able to return it unless it's at Costco. And there's way too much planning involved here. <laughs> way too much thinking. Like, it's honestly, it's way too much thinking. <laughs> I need a computer. I should just be able to go get a computer. But no, I can't do that anymore because I have to think too much about it. Uh, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. But you know what? You know what? The yes. reason Stephen really isn't here this week is because uh, we're trading him up. We're trading up for the next generation <laughs> model. We've got the Stephen M3 coming <laughs> the soon. Stephen M3 coming soon. <laughs> Oh, Lord. This is a Double Tap Canada. Mark Aflalo sitting in the hosting seat for Stephen Scott. Of course, Sean Priest next to me. We're gonna come. I want to I talk a bit about blockchain. What do you know about blockchain? Anything interesting? Absolutely nothing, except crypto's going back up. I've got, I've got something. I've got something that's going to hopefully explain it in layman terms. 
for once. And it's coming up after the break. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers, want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. This is Double Tap Canada. It's a tech show. Honest. Welcome back. Marco Flatland, the hosting chair for Stephen Scott and uh, Sean Priest. You know, I asked Stephen before the show, I'm like, Send me all the production stuff we do so I can make sure I'm using the right stuff because I tend to yeah. use the old stuff, but I was hitting the buttons. And you know Mr. Control Freak over there, Stephen Scott, and he likes to have the buttons. And I, start, I hit play on one of the files, and I couldn't hear anymore. Like, it deafened me for a minute. And then I realized, it wait a second. so loud. This is why we've been having these technical issues that we don't talk about because we're fixing it afterwards. But it's because he's, he's all over the place. I spent 10 minutes fixing things while you were getting yourself a tea. Yes, well, I went to get myself a tea, and it was like going back to the early 80s in there because I was told that I had to stand in a certain spot and listen to these new speakers that we've just got. Oh, oh what speakers? I, I, oh, I have no idea because I am very angry. I only want smart speakers, of course, but my partner has secretly bought some speakers and wired them up. We've got banana plugs in there. We've got by wiring. That's what she's been what doing. What is this plugged by... into, though? Like, what are you plugging this into? Like, you have, I, you have an amplifier I have no somewhere? Idea. Yeah, she's got an amplifier. Oh. She's bought all this stuff secretly. Do I don't know table? what it is. And a turntable. Yeah, it's all to do with her new vinyl um, obsession, which, again, uh, sounds absolutely terrible. No. Vinyl sounds awful. No, it doesn't. But she just played me. No, it does. It sounds like they're on fire. You said crackle, crackle, crackle. You know what? Crackle. No, 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 no. No, you I, sound I like you're on fire. I got a beautiful Technics uh, record player a, a, oh, uh, for my birthday. Um, I've got lots of vinyl from the box sets and stuff that I buy. And I'm running into the similar situation, which is I've got a great amp with headphones. And really, really, really nice headphones, but I want to put play them on speakers. So I'm like, oh, I'm mm. going to go back to the analog days now and get myself some speakers with banana cables. And, and I don't know what mm. to get. I want it to be Bluetooth, but you can get oh. those with Bluetooth, but you can't oh, no, Bluetooth, Bluetooth to the speaker. It, it was just, it's a lot of problems here. This is first world problems that I'm really running into. I'm going to have to seek some medical assistance. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just annoyed because now I fell over a crate yesterday a vinyl crate it's like like i said it's oh, like, like going back carton, to the early what, oh, 80s yeah okay i get it i got those wheeling all over the place and i've got speaker wire i mean what's happened this we've is, gone wireless now i can just imagine knocking on sean priest's door the door opens a big puff of smoke kind of wheels out the door and the vinyl's playing with scratchy <laughs> records and people are wearing their headbands and giving me peace symbols come in and saying, man come, come in, in. Man. <laughs> Let's listen to some Pink Floyd backwards and see if we can summon the devil. Oh, man, i got to say, hello, Pink Floyd. Oh, wow. Those are the days. It's still, it's still, you put that album on, Dark Side of the Moon or whatever, and wow, you're back there. That is some good stuff. Not on vinyl, though. CD only. <laughs> well, my CD? Streaming on Spotify. <laughs> I do. It's so much easier, though, right? Hey, play blah blah blah. It's so much easier. I remember it's, when uh, I when I first started with iTunes, starting to digitize all my CDs, and I had hundreds, if not bordering on thousands, of CDs. Yep. I worked in the radio business, you know. I would get these things all the time, and I started mm-hmm. digitizing, and then it got to the point where it was all just available online. I'm like, why am I even bothering with this? And then Apple came out with iTunes Match, which was, which was basically if you had a legal copy on your computer, it would match it with the highest quality version they have in the yes. store and automatically authorize it like as if you purchased it. I'm like, oh, what am I doing here? I'm like, I'm doing nothing. I don't even need to. I can just look at my CD and suddenly it's available to me in the in, the, in iTunes. There is something. I've been going through these, right? And and there is something for some of those vinyl albums, man. They are so heavy and thick. There is yeah. I think it's just yeah, it's just man. a nostalgia, right? When was the last time we actually had a physical media uh, product, right? I can't I, I, last time I bought a DVD, I can't even remember the last time. I guess SD CDs. cards SD cards is probably the the closest thing we have to any kind of physical <laughs> yeah. storage, right? Yeah, but I mean, everything's owned. Everything I own now, media-wise, is in the cloud. I've, yeah. I've, you know, the, the times where I used to have external hard drives full of music or, you know, DVD rips or Blu-ray rips, they're gone. It's just there's no point. I just everything's owned in the cloud. But the thing is, is it, it can be taken away so easily. You well, know, that's you know what that's what I think it's about not ours. a lot. 
I think about that a lot. I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. Like, I have all my music in the cloud. Maybe I've got a backup copy somewhere. Like, when I'm when my time is up in this world and I'm done, like, my kids are going to come. They're going to basically, all they're going to have left of me is a hard drive. <laughs> yes. It's not going to yes. be rummaging through stuff. I mean, there will be stuff still, I'm sure. But it's not going to be rummaging through stuff like I used to rummage through stuff. It's going to be, oh, there's a Synology with 132 terabytes. Bye, Dad. Delete. Let me reuse this for something else in the time. And that's Only it. Like, all my mail, like, uh, my domain name, and all this stuff is going to be gone because someone's going to be like, I'm not paying seven bucks a month to redo this, or I'm not going to keep his library in the cloud, or I'm not going to download his photos. Uh, man, it's a new world, though. I mean, you know, it's talked about digital legacy. I mean, that's the actual option, isn't it, now in uh, iOS settings, I think? I can't remember, but yeah. What about like, all our photos? Like, I have hundreds of thousands of photos. Should I, I print those? Maybe, maybe they should actually no. have an option when they could just uh, here. Give me your username and password. We're just gonna we're gonna print everything onto a physical medium for you. Yeah, but how many? See, the thing is, how many of those photos do, would you actually want to go back and look at? It's so a, easy a to quarter. take a picture. Now. I probably uh, half of my photos in my camera roll, which uh, yeah, are triplicates no of the same for. thing, because you want to get the good shot. No, they're they're, they're screenshots that I've taken accidentally by pressing the up up, up yeah. volume up button, and like, so I've got about a thousand pictures of my lock screen with different times on it. It's great. I have I go back in my pictures and I see like apps that I used to take screenshots of and send people pictures of. There's so much here that I just I are completely useless. But then you land upon like you know your kids and. And stuff yeah. like that, which is it honestly what's kind of cool about like people detection, <laughs> like those features, like people That's detection, true. really make these things a lot easier. But I was trying to, my wife and I were, I can't remember what we were thinking about the other day. We were thinking about something that happened years ago. I'm like, we had a picture. Oh, I remember, I had a Mini Cooper for a couple for a week from BMW, and and they sent me, they gave me a car to play with. I'm like, okay, let me, let me drive the Mini Cooper. And for some reason that weekend, we decided we were going to go buy beanbag chairs. And, of course, okay. And, and not not thinking ahead that we're gonna have to put these in the in the mini, so we go out to this random place that we heard about that you can basically pick the beanbag, pick the cover, and great. And we're walking out and we're holding these things that are bigger than than a four hundred pound man. And as we're walking out the front door, I'm like, oh crap, I have the mini. So my kids are still in car seats. I put oh. my kids in the car. I put my wife in between them in the back seat. I stuff shove one of the beanbags in the front seat. It it's blocking. I don't see the mirror anymore. I see nothing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I had to open a bit of the sunroof just to get a bit to stick out. And now I've got the second one. And my wife's like, "Oh, let's call an Uber." And Uber wasn't really popular at the time. Like, we're gonna wait forever. Let's call a taxi. I'm like, "No, no, I can do this." So I open the trunk, and I shove it in. And my wife is now hunched forward. My kids are just like <laughs> oblivious to what's going on. She can't put her seatbelt on because she can't find it. I'm like, don't worry about it. We've got built-in airbags here, You're and it covered, was and it yes. was like a 40 minute drive. 40 minute. Anyhow, so I was looking for pictures because <laughs> the second I plug these in, I'm like, I have to take a picture of this. But unfortunately, I could find pictures of my kids when they were two, but you can't search beanbag. You can't search for objects within your. Actual Why not? Well, I don't know. That's why. Like, that'd be cool if I could. Like, I can search online and say, show me pictures of widgets, and it'll show me pictures of widgets. But you can't do yeah. that in your photos yet, and I think you should. Like, oh, show me pictures strange. of a pool. That'd well, cool. surely you could search for a picture of cars. Was that not Well, it, it lets you categorize things. Like, it says babies, art, swimming, sports, food, cars, playgrounds, animals. But if I type in, I don't know, beanbag, or actually, you know what? Maybe, maybe if I do cars... Uh, see, I fixed that for you, Mark. Maybe You're if welcome. I do cars, it'll show me. But you know what comes up? I have 636 pictures of cars. Okay. Oh, wow, that's mad. I see. Uh, I went to an auto show in L.A. once. That's in here. Uh, what else do I see? I see in a car. I see yeah. a snowmobile. Okay. I see someone that's not a car, haircut. No, but there's a car in the background, so it sees that. Oh, I got it right. Technology always gets it right. It never question it, it right. Sean. You never question I'm I want to ask to find... you a question. Go Sorry, ahead. Mark. I'm, I'm bored with pictures now. They're, they're, they're not for us. But what if, I find um, the, what if I find the beanbag? Well, if you find it, then let me know. Um, and we'll, I don't know, talk about it. But I want to ask you a question because uh, you're, you're a very much a Mac guy, but you, you do use Windows now and again. I want to ask about virtual desktops. Okay. Do you use them at all? I don't. Um, I've, yeah. I've played with them. 
Now, there's there's so many different ways you can approach virtual desktops. Describe like what 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 do you, in particular are you thinking of? Like, uh, turn on your computer and your desktops in the cloud and then download stuff, or uh, using a separate Oof. computer entirely? No, no. I was thinking of of well, firstly, I just wanted to know what they were because they're new in Windows 11, uh, as far as I know. Um, they were in Windows 10, for, but you could only assign them to multiple displays. Is that right? So you could have a, a desktop with some apps on, on one display and oh. another desktop with... No? Is that not true? You know, when I think of virtual desktops, I think of a, more of the business side of things where you're able to like just buy a thin client ah, no, and no, access no, like no, a remote, almost like a remote computer. No, but I've right, never... So I've never heard of the virtual desktops on Windows. Okay, so on Windows 11, you've got virtual desktops. So, for example, you, you know when you open up all your... Like on my desktop, I've always got a 1,000 apps or documents open. So uh, 24 different Audacity sessions go in, you know, Chrome, Edge, and whatever else, a 1,000 documents. And You're you've one got of those to, people. I get it. Okay, yeah. I am. Yes, absolutely. And I alt-tab between them. To switch between them, we need to alt-tab. But, yeah. you know, after a while, it can get slow. It can get messy. You can get lost. So... I thought I would look at virtual desktops. And the thing with this is they're really easy to do, um, especially if you've got a screen reader there. Just hit Windows, Control, and D. And what it will do, it will create a virtual desktop, just another desktop, another session, if you like. And what you can do is, so I had Audacity and some of my um, audio clips, you know, folders of audio clips. You can clips move and what you want onto that new desktop, whatever's active. Absolutely right, yes. So you could, yeah, I want to move my Audacity onto that. And basically then that desktop is my recording or my editing, you know, it's my audio workflow desktop. And then I could have another desktop, say the original desktop where I started, could just be my uh, web browsing where I'm looking through researching stories or whatever it is. And you can separate it out like that. And you could have another one with like Word and whatever else in it. Um, and again, you just keep hitting Control, Windows, D, and it'll start up a new desktop. And I thought, this is going to be so good. This is going to, you know, it's all about making my workflow more efficient because I'm terrible. Or letting at. you focus, I guess, on one, one, on one. Exactly right. Yeah. And task look, or it's whatever it is at a time. Yeah. Yes, and it also means when I'm trying to switch between, I'm not switching between a thousand different open documents or apps or sessions or whatever it is. Um, I'm, you know, it's only what's open in that particular desktop, so it's easier to manage from that point. So of when view you as alt, well. so when you alt tab on a particular desktop, it only cycles through what's open on that desktop. Absolutely, interesting. That's right. Okay. Yes. So it's a way. It's almost like the tabs in a browser. You know, it's just a way to keep it under control. As I said. It, just using one desktop, I can have so many different things and, and trying to find what I'm looking for. Oh, tab, oh, tab, oh, tab, oh, tab. You know, I'm have to do it 25, 30 times. Now, what happens, can... what happens if you have an Audacity desktop that has Audacity and maybe a Word document open so you can, I don't know, follow a script of some kind? And in your other desktop, you have another, another Word document open. And if you click another Word document, is it going to open in the current desktop or is it going to open in the other desktop but Word is open? I'm curious it about that. It... Are you going to lose an app kind of thing? It opens in the current desktop that you're in. So you can and have two can... instances, two windows of Word, one in this desktop, one in the other one. You can, yes. And I think actually you can change that behavior. You can choose that behavior as well. Because there's another uh, uh, feature called Task View. Um, to, to bring that up is Windows and the Tab key. Um, basically, it's almost like um, our Task Switcher here. And you have all your apps that are running at the top. But if you just arrow down to the bottom, you have a list of all your virtual desktops as well. And if you right-click on a, a virtual desktop, you can actually give it a name. Uh, so you could say, this is my recording desktop, this is my home desktop, whatever you want. And when you switch between them, which is Windows, Control, left or right arrow to switch your desktops, um, if you're using JAWS, it actually announces virtual desktop recording virtual desktop, whatever. So it's really NVDA, which I use, doesn't say anything, but it, it doesn't matter. But I can tell what I'm on by alt-tabbing and, and seeing what uh, apps are open there. So, um, yeah, it's really good. I thought this is fantastic, and this is going to just make things so much better. And then I did something that totally ruined it all for me. I rebooted my computer. Uh-oh. And then when it comes back on, you've still got all the desktops there but they're completely empty. Nothing. The apps don't repopulate. The documents don't seem to repopulate. So I'm thinking, what is the point of a virtual desktop? 
because that was you want it sort of permanent, wouldn't you? You want it to stay around uh, once you set it up. I mean, uh, sometimes I don't turn my computer off for days or weeks anyway, but that's not the point. And there is a setting in, in Windows settings who um, it actually says, you know, restart the app, keep the, the app active. And I tick that doesn't make any difference. So I'm wondering if there's any Windows 11 experts out there. Am I missing something? Because every time you reboot your computer, you lose your virtual desktops. And that, for me, seems absolutely crazy. Um, but other than that, it's quite cool. And as I said, it's quite accessible. And if you're a screen reader user, um, yeah, it's something to look at. Windows 11 virtual desktops. Interesting. You know, Apple had something similar and I've never really used the feature, and I, I thought it was really useful on, on a laptop when you're limited to screen real estate where you can just kind of cycle back and forth. I know people who use it actively. I don't even remember yeah. how to even, even launch one. I think you press – I think you hold a window to the – yeah, you hold a window to the top of the screen, and then you can create a new desktop. But you know what? I don't think I, don't, I, don't think I would find it terribly useful, especially here. Well – See, I, I I get it if you're using multiple displays. I totally understand, you know, you could have a, a video editing session running on that larger monitor and something else running on a monitor next to it. Makes total sense. But using virtual des- desktops just as a uh, as a way to differentiate between tasks that you're doing, um, I don't know how, how, how well that would work or not. But as I said, as a screen reader user, sometimes when I'm alt-tabbing, it can be a pain um, because... If you alt-tab too far and you've got shift-tab back and you're listening, it, it just seems so cluttered sometimes. I mean, if you're – I don't know. Yeah, I've got a feeling that there could be something there that could be beneficial to, to us as screen reader users and, and workflow. But I just can't quite nail it down. And I think part of it is that well, it all disappears when you reset your computer. Yeah, that's sucky. Why would that, why would that happen? Yes, but maybe I'm, I'm new to this. I'm sort of deep diving into some of the basics of uh, Windows 11 at the minute. I've currently gone back to Outlook instead of Windows Mail, and I'm going to learn Outlook. I'm trying to get to grips with the Windows ribbon menu at the top, um, which is a, a bit of a nightmare, I'll admit. But, you know, I, there is quite a lot of resources out there. I've noticed that if you Google, you know, using Outlook with a screen reader. Microsoft do have quite a few little articles there that you can run through and they give you all the keyboard shortcuts. I mean, it's, it's not in-depth or anything, but it's quite cool that it's there. So, uh, yeah, I've been trying to get a bit... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to improve myself, Mark, and it's not working. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, still, still to come, blockchain. I want to talk about blockchain. I want to explain it. Oh, yeah, it. sorry. I want to explain <laughs> it. No, you, you took over the segment. It's okay. It's okay. We... Lots to talk about. It's all It's all good. Uh, it is Double Tap Canada. He is Sean Priest. I am Marco Flalo. Stephen Scott is uh, no longer with us today. Oh, uh, why? <laughs> uh, we'll be back in a moment, and hopefully I'll get to that blockchain story, or we can try to demystify it for you. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. This is Double Tap Canada. Have your say right now. Call or text 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Double Tap Canada. Marco Flalo and Sean Priest with you talking all fun tech things. Uh, blockchain. No, blockchain. Okay, now, didn't we try to explain this once before? <laughs> we've we've tried many times. We've had a lot of people yeah. on to try and explain okay. it. Okay, I landed upon something that was on it was on LinkedIn, and um, I landed upon a piece of audio with someone talking to a government commission, and it, it's a long piece of audio. It's about six minutes, but I think we'll stop it kind of midway through. Um, but I want to play it for you guys because I think it 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 has a lot of relevance, and I think it really does break down. Um, what's going on in blockchain and and good where it comes take take a listen to this piece of audio here this is a it's self-explanatory take a listen thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today my name is peter van valkenberg and i'm the director of research at coin center an independent nonprofit focused on the public policy issues affecting cryptocurrency and public blockchain networks what is bitcoin Bitcoin is the world's first cryptocurrency, and it works because of the world's first public blockchain network. What does Bitcoin do? It's simple. It lets you send and receive value to and from anyone in the world using nothing more than a computer and an internet connection. 
Now, why is it revolutionary? Because unlike every other tool for sending money over the Internet, it works without the need to trust a middleman. The lack of any corporation in between means that Bitcoin is the world's first public digital payments infrastructure. And by public, I simply mean available to all and not owned by any single entity. Now, we have public infrastructure for information, for websites, for email. It's called the Internet. But the only public payments infrastructure that we have is cash, as in paper money. And it only works in face-to-face -face transactions. Before Bitcoin, if you wanted to pay someone remotely over the phone or the Internet, then you could not use public infrastructure. You would rely on a private bank to open their books and add a ledger entry that debits you and credits the person you're paying. And if you both don't use the same bank, well, then there'll be multiple banks and multiple ledger entries in between. With Bitcoin, the ledger is the public blockchain, and anyone can add an entry to that ledger, transferring their Bitcoins to someone else. And anyone, regardless of their nationality, race, religion, gender, sex, or creditworthiness, can for absolutely no cost create a Bitcoin address in order to receive payments digitally. Bitcoin is the world's first globally accessible public money. Does that make sense to you? And there's more. I can continue it. I want to continue it. Because uh, please there's... continue. I got a bit lost at infrastructure. Okay. But carry on. Let me continue. Is it perfect? No. Neither was email when it was invented in 1972. Bitcoin's not the best money on every margin. Uh, it's not yet accepted everywhere. It's not used often to quote prices, and it's not always a stable store of value. But it is working, and the mere fact that it works without trusted intermediaries is amazing. It's a computer science breakthrough, and it will be as significant for freedom, prosperity, and human flourishing as the birth of the Internet. And Bitcoin is just the beginning. If we can replace private payments infrastructure, then we can replace other private choke points to human interaction as well. Now, why should we want to build more public infrastructure? Why should we embrace blockchains over corporate intermediaries? Why should we tolerate their inefficiencies and work to make them better? Why should we want the pioneers of this technology here in the United States and not fleeing overseas? A simple reason. Because the corporate intermediaries providing today's critical but privately owned infrastructure are becoming fewer, larger, and more powerful, and their mm. failures are increasingly grave. So roughly half of all Americans, 143 million people, had their social security numbers exposed to hackers because of a <laughs> yes. breach at Equifax. The SWIFT network has relayed hundreds of millions of dollars in fraudulent transactions because of hacked member banks in Bangladesh, Vietnam, Ecuador, and Russia. The FBI suspects now that the largest of these hacks was perpetrated by North Korea. Corrupt, low-level employees at an Indian bank, Punjab National, were able to fraudulently certify SWIFT messages stealing $1.8 billion. It's the largest electronic bank robbery in history. In fact, it's the largest bank robbery in history. In October 2016, an estimated 1.2 million Internet-connected devices were hacked and turned into a botnet that for several hours made prominent websites unavailable across Europe and North America, including CNN and Fox News, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Increasingly, physical machines are being connected to the Internet to augment their capabilities. They're wired through servers that are owned and maintained by private and trusted intermediaries the so-called Internet of Things. Pacemakers from St. Jude's Hospital have been hacked. Baby monitors from TrendNet have been hacked. And Jeeps from Jeep have been hacked to the point where they can be remotely commandeered and driven off the road. Oops. Now, those vulnerabilities are inescapable in systems that have single points of failure. It doesn't matter if the point of failure is a corporation or if it's a government. There shouldn't be a single point of failure. Similar choke points existed before the Internet. If you wanted to deliver a message, you'd have to go through one of three television broadcasters or a handful of newspapers. 
Private corporations are essential, but no critical infrastructure should rely on one or two. The Internet removed single points of failure in communications infrastructure and ushered in a wave of competition among new media corporations building on top of its public rails. Blockchains can similarly disintermediate critical payments and IoT infrastructure. The technology is not yet ready to answer all of those questions today, but it is our best hope. And as with the Internet in the 1990s, we need a light-touch, pro-innovation policy to ensure that these innovations flourish in America for the benefit and security and of all Americans. And Canada and UK and everywhere else. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, l- 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 again, right, I-, I get the concepts of it. When it comes down to blockchain, right, that's one big, basically one big list of all the transactions that's been done with, let's say, Bitcoin. Correct. It's a public ledger that everyone can you know, add to and see the transactions of is that i mean from a technical point of view is that file is that list attached to the bitcoin code itself it's 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 Where... basically like it, it's a it's a file it's a ledger that is available to anybody whatever they want it it's stored on multiple locations. It's stored on ah, multiple locations. It's like peer to peer. It's like I have a copy. You have a copy. When it's updated, it's 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 updated across the board. So everybody has the latest and greatest, and anybody can track any transaction. But that and that's what holds so... people accountable for it. It must be it must be billions of transactions in there by now. Okay, maybe maybe it only shows the last fifteen million. Okay, instead of <laughs> so the file size isn't that large. You're getting a little bit too technical here. No, no. See, that's the thing, though. I'm not sure I am because when he's talking about using blockchains for IoT and to stop Jeep getting hacked, I'm trying to think. Well, hang on. A blockchain is just a a, a list of transactions that's publicly accessible. That that's what I take from that. It's not privately owned by one company. It's a I think list of the me- the, me- the message so here. How is... does that? Yeah, go on. I think the message here at the end is really that you can't rely on one single entity to control too much you need to have accountability that is shared amongst uh, many communism oh i see that's what we're talking about <laughs> communism i see where you're going mark no, 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 no. I get but i mean practically how's that going to work i get the concepts of it okay so let's not rely on just uh, apple or a bit you know the big tech companies out there for providing a critical uh, yeah, like like what happened with Rogers in Canada recently, right? Where everything went and that's down. And that's exactly why I got thinking about this because, you know, that was a single point of failure that too many people relied on. People relied their inf- their infrastructure and they, they had a lot of eggs in one basket and didn't diversify their portfolio and make sure that if that went down, they had some kind of contingency. And that's where, you know, the whole conversation starts with business continuity. But I think this is an interesting conversation and I think that's, I think it breaks down what blockchain is in a very, very elementary level. Of course, there are questions. There are lots of technical questions about bits and bytes and where is data stored? How is it stored? What if that computer goes down in the midst of writing a ledger? Does that mean that it's not stored somewhere? Can that be lost? Yes. You know, how do you store your, you know, if, if it's public, what happens if someone hacks your computer? Does it affect everything? There's lots of questions involved there. But what I was trying to illustrate here is that, you know, there is a very clear, plain English understanding of what blockchain is. Now we need to figure out how to use it to our advantage and to make it help the you know the regular everyday human and not just the people out there who are you know using it for for finance purposes. No, I I, no, I totally get that. But isn't this all a bit like Web three? You know, it's like I, I get the concepts of it, but how is this going to work practically? If I, we're talking about hey, we could use this technology to do this. We could use it to do that. Yeah, great. But how? How and and let's see some demos of how we're going to use blockchain to stop uh, Internet of Things being hacked. I, I I just I can't picture it in my head. I can't get the concept in my head. Sorry, Mark. Will you work on the demo, please? Oh yeah, I'll. You get it. to that right now during the break. <laughs> uh, work on a demo, uh, and when we come back, Sean Priest will deliver that demo. No, he won't. Uh, no, no, I won't. No, forget that idea. Move on next. Uh, it's Double Dap Canada. We're going to take a quick break and come back. We're going to wrap things up. It's actually, the show's over. We're done. Why? Yeah, I know. You thought we'd have nothing to talk about, right? Yep, I was wrong. Sorry, Mark. Carry on. Stick around. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. 
This is Double Tap Canada. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Mark Aflalo in for Stephen Scott. You forgot his name. Showbiz is so fickle. I'm not really in for him, am I? I'm I'm here all the time, right? You are, yes. Most of the time, I guess. Stephen is missed. Sometimes I just shut up and don't talk. Yeah, I noticed that, (laughs) yes. It's funny, you said that at the end of the uh, last part there, you were saying about, you know, how we didn't have anything to talk about. But it's strange. The the last few weeks, or even month, actually, it's just been news, 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 news. And I was looking through the uh, various websites and looking through the news sources today, and actually they're... It's gone quiet. It's 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 the yeah, end of quiet. term. It's like the calm before the well. storm. Yeah, exactly. You know, I see like a blood oxygen sensing is finally rolling out for the Aura Ring. Yay, that's exciting. The what um, ring? Sorry, the who? Yeah, you ever heard of the Aura Ring? It's a it's a ring that it's actually uh. a ring has a battery in it. It charges overnight and it monitors your vitals. They're using this in sports a lot, but you could just buy it off the shelf. I have one upstairs. Oh, um, it, it monitors my sleep and tells me that my sleep apnea is not getting any better. Maybe I should actually do That's something good. about yeah, that. That's good, yeah, yeah. As long as you're monitoring the, your decline, it's all good. Of course. What are you talking <laughs> about? Of course. Just... Uh, Zuckerberg and Meta, Apple are in very deep philosophical blah, 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 blah. Elon Musk, Twitter, you know, uh, who cares? Yeah, there's nothing exciting happening, basically, is what we're saying, and that's a that's a damn disgrace. we got to wait till September. You have to create the excitement sometimes, Sean. It's not about just oh, you know, the excitement that's out there in the news. You have to create that excitement yourself. Carry on. Uh, I got another. That, that, okay, have you not bought anything this week? How have you got on with your 6A? Oh. Have you thrown it away? Did you actually use it? Which one? What are we talking about? The 6A? The 6A. No, no, I'm using it. I'm absolutely using it. I'm actually, not only am I using it, but uh, they also sent me the new Pixel Buds, and I'm playing with those a lot, and they're actually really, really good set of headphones. But I can't dive too much into that because oh. uh, the embargo oh. is... No, I'm good. I can talk about it, but, right. but I haven't really used them that much. What's new with them? Better active noise cancellation, a nice, more comfortable fit in your ear. Uh, I really want to go hands-on. There's a firmware update that I got to download that they they are pushed to me. Um, I want to try. I want to try the real-time translation stuff. That's where I find it really, really cool. Uh, yes. To, to actually see if it works in real time. If it's something like, could I travel to you know Lithuania and actually get by and find a toilet? The, <laughs> that's what we all need to find the toilet. It's the Babel in fish, Lithuania, right? It's the Babel fish thing. Everyone... Babelfish. Remember Babelfish? But, yeah, but when they first did the demo, it was such a it was such a rip-off because they were just using the phones. There wasn't it had nothing to do with the headphones, the translation, right? The li- live translation. It was simply that they had their headphones attached to their phones and they were using the translation app on the on the phones. Yeah. I mean, if you can throw away the phones, just put one of these uh, earbuds in and you can do live translation, then sign me up. I'm sold. But come on now. Yeah. Is that actually happening? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Uh, big tab, tech antitrust bill. Who cares? Firefox update. Who? Ta- it is really quiet. <laughs> Apple buys a new campus for $445 million. Who cares? Well, I, whoa, 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 I care. Be, Where? Where are they buying you, the campus? I mean, the, the spaceship campus. San Diego. Oh. San Diego. Oh, okay. It's not in Manchester. You don't think then. they have enough room? No, not in Manchester. Definitely not. They only keep that for their tax haven. <laughs> I would be surprised um, if it was Glasgow, next door to Stephen. Yeah, can you imagine? Uh, AirTag helps cops track down a stolen SUV in Memphis. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. I still haven't got any AirTags. Uh, you really should try that, especially if you travel. I mean, you don't travel much, no. but you should you should try that out. It's kind of fun. Yeah, there's, it's really it's really quiet, guys, out there. So, I mean, if there's something you want us to talk about, please give us content <laughs> because we're starving, and I don't know if we're going to make it past this week. We need Stephen to buy things. That's the trouble. I never buy anything, obviously. I think he's bought stuff. I think he's actually M two. I think he's. Oh, we're back to the start. <sighs> Three minutes left in the show. We go full circle to see what did Stephen buy. You think he's still? You know what? Let's let's try something here. Oh, we're going to ring him. Of it because uh, why not? Three if minutes. He's not going to be here. Then no. Three minutes to go. Not even, about three minutes. We'll give or take. You know, a couple breaks. No swearing, Stephen. Won't even answer the phone. Of course not. He's got his feet up. He's in the hot tub. You think? He said he's writing. He's working oh, on content yeah, for the TV show. I, know, yeah. I don't buy it. I gotta take a week off to uh, to write next season's TV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you do that. Okay, you do the next next season's Shaun of the Shed. Hot tubs. Nothing. Not even answering. Not no, even, he's ignoring us. I don't. Completely ignoring us. You see? God bless him. Hot tubs. You've got a hot tub, uh, Mark. But I, I do have a hot tub. I actually got it working so far. It's. These are very difficult things to balance. Yeah, I know. You, you, You'd you, think there'd be technology yeah, to fix no, this, but no. Yeah, you none. keep complaining about it. It's a nightmare. Aren't they just disgusting? Aren't they just basically an outdoor puddle that you just sit in? 
I, I'd never understand hot tubs. No, I don't get no, it. They're, they're not. Is it? They are, aren't they? They're always gross and moldy, and they no, smell. No, the, I, I don't know. Mine smells lovely. The water's clear. It smells of toilets. Do very you put hard toilet to do that. I have to. No, it doesn't put toilet cleaner in there. It smells a little bit, a little bit chlorine-y, yeah, but gross. that's because there's chlorine in it. Yeah. What's a pool? Uh, all right. Okay. It's not just a pool, though, is it? It's a bubbly hot pool. A bubble, yes. Yeah, no, I'm it's not. It's for uh, when it's cold outside in the winter. You go into the hot tub, you enjoy yourself for twelve minutes, oof, and then study. You know what? You're you're making this really awkward. I would. I'm depressing. just. I'm just saying. No awkward. Awkward. I would rather have a sauna. I've been looking for a sauna recently. Really, a sauna? You want a little schwitz? Uh, yeah, absolutely right. Yes, hot tubs. Everyone goes for a hot tub, and I think they're just outdoor baths. Disgusting. But a sauna. You want an? You want an indoor hot closet? <laughs> Yes, that's what I want. What they got infrared? You see, ones anybody they... can describe what you think is pleasurable and fun as something that seems ridiculous and stupid. Right, I seem to have hit a nerve. Anybody can do here. it. I'm, like I'm... a shed, like a shed right. where you keep all your expensive audio equipment in Manchester, <laughs> where anybody could just walk into your backyard <laughs> and steal Don't all this them. fun stuff. And secret. <sighs> sorry, I've hit a nerve. Not Manchester. He lives in Greenland. And, uh, I'm very and, sorry, and Mark. That's where you'll find Sean Priest. You can't look him up. You know, I wonder if you can actually look up Sean Priest's right, address. Right, let's stop person. that now. Hot Sean tubs are hot tubs are really Priest. good. Same, we're Manchester, out of time. Oh, Mark, thank UK. you for hosting. No, we're not out of time. It's been a great show. No. Founder and creative director, are you? That's no, me. You're not Sean Priest. You're a multifaceted designer and illustrator. Oh you yeah. Had over a decade worth of experience and awards, working with very. No, are you the general manager of Westbourne Leisure? <laughs> no. No, that's not you either. Meet Stephen and Sean. Oh, oh. I think we're getting close Uh-oh. to this. I think Where's we're getting that? close to this. Right, oh. Nobody Google me. Oh, there's the music. Oh, thanks. Saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. Thank you, guys. Sean, thank you for being with me. Thank you. Uh, so thanks, Stephen Scott, for not being with Boo. us. It's nice to get a little bit of a break. Boo. And uh, you guys at home, get involved. Feedback at AMI.ca. Uh, you know what? We'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. How about we do that? Thank you. We love you. Bye-bye. No, I love you more. No, no, I love the listeners. Look up, uh, look up Sean Priest. No, don't. Thanks for listening, and keep your feedback coming. Call 1-844-971-1999 and leave us a voicemail. Email feedback at ami.ca. We're also on Twitter at Double Tap Canada and on Facebook. Can't wait till next week? Ask your smart speaker to play Double Tap Canada or listen on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.